You are listening to the Feedback Podcast with my homie Back. And we're live. Welcome to the Feedback Podcast, everybody. My name is Back, and as you can tell, we're back in the studio. It's been a while. We've been doing a show on the road at Native and all kinds of places, and I'm really excited about this show. A uh, couple of things real quick. This show is brought to you by Austinite. Uh, if you don't take your significant other, your client, your family out on the town, but you don't want to do any of the planning, you go to austinite.com, N-I-G-H-T, and you have your night booked for you. It's like, just like you book a flight to book a hotel room, you book your night out. Comes with dinner uh, and live music. And transportation. If you don't want to take Uber or any of those things, it's like, look, it's date night. I don't have to do shit. And so you go to austinite.com, you look at uh, the events we got. We got all the events from uh, Antone's, uh, Antone's Empire, Cedar Street, Courtyard, and as far as the restaurants, we got Peche, Russian House, and Wu Chow. So you pick the, the live music event, then you pick your restaurant that's within walking distance, and then add transportation if you want. You can upgrade, add cocktails, all kinds of stuff, and you're done. So go to austinite.com, N-I-G-H-T. And use promo code FDBK for 20% off. So, all right, let's get the show started. I'm really excited. We're going to be talking about comedy today. We got Scott Butler in the house. How you doing? Doing great. Thanks. And just remember, it's a comedy podcast. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be funny. We're going to talk about comedy. (laughs) Leave it to me. That's my job. And then later on, we'll be talking with comedian Mo Ammer, who's recording, taping his Netflix special uh, at the Paramount on June 28th. So if you haven't heard of him, you're about to. Uh, he's been opening for Chappelle for a long time now. A really funny dude, internationally known, uh, traveled the world, all that good stuff. Been on Colbert. So looking forward to that. Uh, and we got Lauren in the house. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, since this is going to be a quote-unquote comedy-themed podcast, which I'm a big comedy nerd. And actually, that's how I met you, Scott. We were judging the funniest person in Austin. Yeah, that's right. That's where the bromance began. Yeah, we, we just geeked out, <laughs> seriously, oh for an hour. They had to sweep us out the door <laughs> after about an hour after oh. the show was over. And uh, yeah, we did the judging. It was amazing. I yeah, had a blast lineup. judging. The lineup was good. Uh, the judges were great. And uh, I thought the conversation was great. The debate about who should advance wonderful and then we just sat there for another hour and, and talk shop and that probably should have been the podcast but who knows what oh we yeah said. I, I told you i said look man we're we got to geek out over this and what better way to have a comedian actually come on uh later yeah perfect um how did you i was going to backtrack a little bit because first of all i'm surprised that i'm just meeting you this year because i've been going to the paramount for years to check out some comedy every time i there's a show like lauren over there always goes yeah, I knew you'd be here back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm always at Cap City. Uh, so Yeah, I like to be in the background. Really? Yeah, I'm a behind the scenes guy. Mm. Uh, I can relate. Uh, I like <laughs> Well, you oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's like that's the best part about the uh, the FBI judging is cuz they set you up in those back tables. That's where I want to be. Uh, that's why I am when I go on any given night. Yeah. <laughs> I just sit in the back, just chill I out. I like being yeah. in the back. Uh, yeah. and at the Paramount, I mean it's I actually don't go to that many Paramount shows. I'm, it's my life, and I love setting up those shows and making sure that people go and have the time of their lives. Uh-huh. But by the time that show comes and everybody's filing in, uh-huh. that's when I start getting antsy, and I'm like, I got to go home. Even the comedy <laughs> shows? So, well, sometimes. Like, who have you seen recently? Wow. 
uh, I mean, for me, it's Moon Tower. Oh, yeah, so, that's, that's mm-hmm. right. So that's right. I do eventually manage to get into some Moon Tower shows. Uh-huh. So usually it's the last day or two, and it's late night. Like those first couple of days, I don't, I don't get to see anything. I'm running around. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm working. Working. But the, uh, by the end, I get into some of those club shows. And I love the, the, the lineups, the, the quick 10-minute ten, ten sets of all, yeah, those, yeah, yeah. all those people. And I don't sit through headliners. You don't? No. Not when it's in my venue. Oh, okay. Well, it it, it depends. Uh, like, did, have you been to Moon Tower, Lauren? I haven't. Man, that is a shame. It is my f- fuck out by Southwest. I mm. said it, and I've had by Southwest people on the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking about. I'd rather go to comedy shows um, than live music. Honestly, I love live music. I love to see show to to see people uh, bands perform and all that. But comedy to me is different because. Um, one, it's like, I think comedians are like today's philosophers. Mm -hmm, I agree. Like they give you a perspective that you don't, um, that you don't necessarily have and you, you trying to relate and they make you laugh at the same time. At least they try to Mm -hmm. make you laugh. And you know, the thing about Moon Tower is like a side by Southwest for comedy. That's how I describe it to people who've never been. It's like, there's a bunch of shows going on. Mm-hmm. And you get a wristband or whatever, and then you just go from show to show, and you get to see a bunch of comedy. Yeah. And the way it's booked, I think, is very smart because you got the headliners, then you have all the other comedians. Some of them are a lot of them are from Austin. Mm-hmm. There was a lot this year that were from Austin, actually. Yeah, we always have. Uh, what is it? Maybe twenty yeah. of the hundred. Yeah. Maybe it's more than that. No, I think it was more than that. It might be, maybe thirty. Locals. But, but I mean, I should probably know this. Yeah, you should. <laughs> you have to lose your job, Scott. <laughs> I mean, I sit there looking at these lineups over and over and over again. But uh, I mean, it, it's and the part that I love the most is that you get to hang with them. Yeah. Like if you happen to catch an artist in between shows doing South by Southwest, you're lucky. Right. Because they're usually they're hustling, trying to get to the next joint, it's all chaos. that stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So. But doing Moon Tower, you know, the happy hour early on and then the party the, um, after all the shows. Wow. And comedians are way more approachable than anybody. Yes. Yeah. I do comedians agree. I, I, I really think so. Like there's just like some sort of down to earth part of them that, you know, appeals to everyone. Well, they, they, they always say that. Um, I mean, they always say comedians are like sad clowns. Like they need that validation. They need yeah. to be accepted. They need to feel loved because... Maybe they didn't get it growing up or whatever it is that problems or family issues or daddy issues or whatever. No. And so any kind of human interaction, like, oh, yeah, 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 come on. Yeah, like they, they feed off of that and that's what they need. Yeah. So. It, it's a very different path to become a high level comedian as opposed to a musician or an actor. They end up as very different people. I mean, the comedians are, like you said, so approachable. And that's I mean, that's part of why I love Moon Tower, too, is getting to know these people and. I mean, they're amazing. They're all so nice, all of them. That's like, I haven't had any problems with anybody. No, there's, yeah, there's no arrogant. No, they're no, not. Look, folks. there's none of that. Someone like, uh, <laughs> awesome. and, I, and I told you the story when I, when we talked uh, the other night. Uh, Mark Maron, who has one of the best, biggest podcasts in the country, is like is sitting there, and he orders a, a bowl of jambalaya. And I'm just sitting next to him. I'm not <laughs> even talking to him. I'm like, I've seen you perform many times. I'm a huge fan. I wasn't like, oh my God, Mark Maron. I don't do that shit. Yeah. But he just like turned to me and he goes, Hey, you wanna you wanna share this jambalaya with me? 
Never mind. Then your fanboy came out at that yeah, moment. And, 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 then, like, nah. and we talked about podcasting for a good 30 minutes. And at the time, I hadn't started this yet. And mm. he gave me some tips and everything. And I saw him again at the, the podcast movement, the, the, the conference oh, wow. uh, in Dallas. And I was like, hey, what's up, Mark? And he goes, yeah, Jambalaya. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. God, that's amazing. That is so, I love that. And, and those are experiences that you get at, at Moon Tower. So I know the tickets already went on sale, right? Yeah, unbelievably, next year. we've already put badges on sale for next Man. year. Um, I'll wait till January. Mm. <laughs> I usually do. Yeah, you'll save a few bucks if you do it now, but it yeah. doesn't matter. But you Yeah, know, I gotta go. I gotta you gotta check this. it out, Lauren. Yeah. You'll love it. So are you, um, I gotta ask, what kind of, like growing up, what was your like comedy show? Think about um, 80s. I don't know how old you guys are. My Oh, do you want I me to go first? No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Lauren. You go, <laughs> and maybe I'll think of something. Go ahead. I jumped in. I, I thought of it. Um, I My dad was a big George Carlin fan. Oh, my God. Um, he actually, uh, he was living in New Orleans with uh, my mom for like a little bit. Uh, he was stationed there, and they went to see Carlin, um, and it was like, and and I'm 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 a big fan, but I'm I'm bad about the details. It was about the seven words you can't say, or the 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 so many uh, words you can't. What is it? The, uh, the seven words you can't say on TV. And so they went to see it, and you know, I guess they're all. My my mom was just like, she's a very reserved Catholic, so <laughs> she's like, I can't believe you took me to that. And, <laughs> but my dad would watch it all the time. Would watch Carlin all the time, and uh, I saw that. You know, growing up and for the record, uh, shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, cocksucker, motherfucker, tits. That's it. Motherfucker, tits. Motherfucker, tits. <laughs> yeah. Motherfucker, tits. They all blend together. It was just like that was philosophy. That was what I wanted to hear. You know, growing and you up. Know, and that's one of my biggest regrets. Carlin went came to the Paramount in early two thousand, mm-hmm. and I missed him. And he's like one of those. There's so many quotables, and. My type of comedy is the comedy that makes you think a little bit. Yes, you know, and you're too. like, okay, this is this is actual life that they're describing from their perspective, and you're like, oh shit, I didn't think of it like that. Like Colin will walk out, and his first words would be, um, "You know what, people don't talk about enough. <laughs> you know what I'm about to say? Yes. What is it? What is it? No, I actually I don't know the words exactly, but pussy farts. Oh, <laughs> first joke right out of the gate. That, that that was his first. Oh my god! Oh I'm my like, god! I do remember that. Yeah, that's wow. I so good. It. What about you? What was your show? Well, I gotta say, when I was a kid, comedy was not a big thing in my household, unless you're talking about the Muppets, which really was amazing. But uh, we weren't a comedy household. We weren't listening to Carlin mm. albums or any of that. Uh, there was a Cosby album that I remember. The whole uh, chocolate cake for breakfast thing. That's what I remember himself. Yeah. Uh, so that was amazing, but I, I don't remember walking around with a bunch of comedy albums. But did you? But what about like TV shows, like Seinfeld or certainly Seinfeld? Yeah, so SNL. That's Seinfeld. My dad was big into Seinfeld. Yeah, absolutely, and mm-hmm. that that was a big moment for sure. For, well, for the whole country, but for me right. especially, I was high school at that point. Um, and absolutely, I was obsessed with Seinfeld, and that did start to inform like what my idea of stand up and what comedy was or still mm-hmm. is like I didn't know about um, Larry David until Kirby Enthusiasm, enthusiasm yeah, right yes but and then you watch the show and you're like oh that makes perfect sense and I was never a Seinfeld fan mm-hmm. like my comedy shows and I was in France first of all so we didn't have all of that stuff when I got here in 98 
uh, Mad TV was like my show. I like Mad TV way more than SNL. Mm. Oh wow! Yeah. B- because Mad TV didn't give a shit, and the characters were just hilarious. It like, was insane. Like today, if you but you're familiar with uh, the Lancome lady. Mm. No, what is that? That was one of the characters in Mad TV, oh. and she would be like the most obnoxious, like racist and like in your face lady. Like she'll be in the middle of a of a robbery and she just talks shit to the to the dude or the best one of the best kids she's uh she's doing Halloween and she opens the door and there's a bunch of kids come in and then they dress mm-hmm. up as, as different characters and stuff yeah. and, and she'd be like uh you're fat you should lay off on the candy and she'll <laughs> just like in your face and that would never fly today no it wouldn't it there's wouldn't. a lot of jokes that wouldn't you know oh, in living color changed. was my like took that, my attention more than mad tv i'd like switch back and forth i think i feel like they came on around the same time too i remember like switching it's like the early channel. 90s yeah i remember switching the channel back and forth trying to like see what that was but mad tv just didn't yeah, win for me it was definitely in living color yeah, yeah. When, when jim carrey was there oh yes. my god yes Mm-hmm. See, we didn't get those. <laughs> we didn't get um, in living color. I didn't know about it until I came here, and I watched some videos, and I was like, Jim Carrey was the only white guy on the on the cast. Everybody mm-hmm. else was the Wayans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and then J Lo and J Lo was a dancer. Yeah, yeah, and he killed it. You know, he was like the only white guy, and he was just like, yeah. Hey, I mean, just out there. I mean, I still think about him dancing like Vanilla Ice, and it's the most ridiculous, yeah. hilarious thing ever. What was the one where he plays? It's like a. A tranny, um, like fitness, and he had like pigtails, yes. and he would like pump his chest. Oh, you mean Jim Carrey? Well, Jim Carrey, but yeah, but that also reminds you me. He looked like Ace. a tranny. He's like, hello. She was, you would talk like yeah, that. No, no, no. Okay, <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm talking about? Yes, I do, but I don't know the, the character oh, name. We can Google it. We can Google. <laughs> we'll Google it. No, but uh, to me, Matt TV was like, you know, the. Uh, and then there was. Um, Ah, uh, tough crowd. Right now, tough crowd is what introduced with Colin Quinn. Yeah, that's what really introduced me to to, uh, to stand up. Stand up. So tough crowd was it was on a daily basis. I think it was on a daily basis. I think so. But never got th- to think see. about Mm-mm. think think about all the comedians that are that are huge today. Uh, Bill Burr, uh, Chappelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, think uh, like Nick DiPaolo, Patrice O'Neill at the time, Jim Norton. Uh, Kevin Hart, yeah. uh, Greg Giraldo, rest in yeah. peace. All the uh, New York guys. All those guys mm-hmm. were on that show. As babies. Uh, Robert mm-hmm. Kelly. All those guys were on that. Mm-hmm. And what they did was think of it like The Daily Show with a bunch of comedians, and then Colin would bring up a topic, mm-hmm. and then the comedians would just talk, just crack jokes at it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Colbert was on there too. Wow. Um, and that was it was topical it was about you know current events and it was funny and i'm like who the hell are these guys and that's how i got into most more of the at the time they call it cringe comedy but i don't think i don't think of it that way mm-hmm. um people like duck stanhope uh people like uh mitch hedberg at yep. the time um that like it's not haha funny but it's yeah. Holy shit! I can't believe you said that. Funny, yeah, exactly. Shock value, yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, what's your what's your type type of comedy? Or you just well, like I mean, it's, all over? it's what. You, well, it is all over, but it, I mean, it's what you're saying. Like, you want to be challenged. Uh, you, I mean, what's funny is when your assumptions are are proven wrong. So if that could be a big topic. You know, if somebody comes out and 
you're expecting them to go one way if it's political or, or whatever mm-hmm. and they flip it in a way that you still appreciate them and they, they said the exact opposite of what you expected right i mean that's high i mean it could be the best right but that also applies to small things like silly one-liners as long as you're assuming it's going one way and they can flip it mm-hmm. in a way that's unexpected and, and challenges your beliefs even if it was a short-term belief like mm. that's where comedy comes in and that's where you get the laugh well um, are you so at a, that could be anything are you at mm-hmm. a point now where do you watch a lot of netflix specials yeah. and hbo specials by getting comedy central at the time mm. comedy central ain't getting shit no more no <laughs> netflix even hbo changed. showtime every once in a while but i mean everybody that, goes to netflix, netflix which makes sense um but where like you become a snob a little bit i i, uh, I get yeah. that i get that yeah because if, if i hear a joke and before the punchline comes i can already tell what it's gonna be it's not funny to me anymore like definitely I, yeah and or you have those comedians that they say the joke mm-hmm. and then the punchline is there's no the punchline is actually is actually acting out the joke and I'm like, okay, I already visualized you doing it because you said the you said mm-hmm. the joke, and now you're just gonna act it out like, unless you do something totally crazy. Yeah, I see what. Yeah, I definitely. I'm like, see. I, I don't see. I mean, if people love it, you know, to each his own. Mm-hmm. But uh, I can get really like snobbish about it. I remember, uh, like the first Kevin Hart, for example, to me was hilarious. Uh, I'm a grown little man, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. The ones after that. They're all like, oh, let me, it's like stories you tell in the morning at work to make your coworkers laugh. And then he acts them out. I, mm. I kind of agree. I think Kevin Hart, I didn't like really get into that too much, get into his kind of comedy too much overall. Yeah. But, um, but I see what you're saying. The thought process is already like preconceived so you can see it coming. And, <laughs> and it's so big. I mean, aren't some of his more recent specials, I mean, they're in stadiums, right? Yeah. I mean, look, yeah. he's, he's the... He's like the rock star comedian. He's what Eddie Murphy was in yeah. the 80s at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Between like, the movies and the the tours and all that stuff. I mean, he's he's that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't work for me as well. I mean, he's I, amazing, and he's, I hope to see him soon. But He's coming in November, I think. He has a tour called What Now or whatever. He's coming in November. Yeah. And he's, yeah. he's got a bunch of shows in, in Montreal, so I'm going to try to see him there uh, for Just for Laughs. But who knows? But I still prefer the smaller specials. Like, uh, have you seen Judah Friedlander's newest special? No, I haven't. Is, I it, mean, on, is it on Netflix? It's on Netflix. <laughs> Let's check it out. Yep. Uh, well, it should be sponsored. Put a plug for one. that. <laughs> but it's the most simple special. It was shot with you know little GoPros that he would just you know clip onto the backs of the chairs, and he would just do his tiny little club sets, mm-hmm. you know, over a period of months. Mm-hmm. And it's brilliant. It. I mean, it's it looks so cheap. It's black and white. I mean. There's no technology involved. Yeah, I like that. And it's that so funny and personal, and he's interacting with crowd, and you don't feel like it's even rehearsed that much. I mean, that's, hardly is. That's the and the thing is, uh, when it comes to comedy, comedy is like one of the few arts art forms where you can't practice on your own. Like you have to be in front of an audience, right? You know, and it's like it's not like you play guitar. You can go home practice for six months, come back and play at Jimi Hendrix, right? right? Yeah, you like, need that. You need the the real life situation in order to shake you and get everything, get the best out of you, right? You know? And a lot of people don't understand that a lot of comedians that go out and and take spots, you know, at the cellar or at the store or wherever, whatever um, comedy club, like they're working out their material it's not mm-hmm. and they're working towards 
you know, an hour special, you know, or um, or a monologue for SNL. Mm -hmm. And so I think that comedy is bigger now than it's ever been, I think. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Between this is the golden age. For yeah, sure. between podcast and Netflix and YouTube and, uh, I mean, you know, like I said, comedians are like the today's philosophers. If you don't know... Nobody knew about Michelle Wolf, and then she does the correspondence dinner, and like, oh my God, I love Michelle Wolf. I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> good for you. Um, we had her years ago. Yes, <laughs> she was a, a, a sorry, Cap City. Actually, I was in New York last weekend. Yeah. And I pulled off some shit. Let's hear it. So. Yeah. I go to New York. I gotta go to the cellar. I didn't I have a reservation. Uh, last time I went, I bought my tickets like two weeks in advance. This time I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I had 48 hours in New York. And that night at 7 p.m., I leave Harlem and I go to the cellar. And I'm like, maybe there's a standby list. It's a Saturday night in New York City. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. I get to the front. There's a long ass line. And I talk to the guy and the guy goes, uh, no, nah, I'm sorry. I mean, there's no way you're going to be able to make it. There's this long, long line and we're sold out. I'm like, all right. Cool. I go around the corner. Have you been to the cellar? No. The, you got to go, but buy your tickets in advance. <laughs> anyway, and I go around the corner. The village on the ground is another part of the cellar around the corner, and there's a uh, fat cat, pussycat bar next door. So I go to the village underground, same thing. Sold out, can't get in. So I'm standing there, and right next to the, the village underground is the garage. Artie Fuqua pulls up in his convertible. Funny comedian. Yeah. You know who he is? I've heard of him. Yeah. Very funny dude. Um, pulls up and he's blasting Notorious B.I.G., the Ten Crack Commandments. Just blasting it, just rapping. And I look at him and I start rapping along with him. We just start the whole song. Uh-oh. The so whole you, fucking song. Yeah. And we're just rapping. It's the Ten Crack Commandments. What? And we start going off. Parks his car. Comes up comes up to me. Says, what's up? Go up goes up to the door. Comes back out. And goes, hey, man, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, I'm trying to see some comedy, but don't, I don't have a reservation. He goes, I got you. I'm like, shit. <laughs> I love that. He gave me a pass. That's comedians. Yes. Free pass. Yeah. I got in. I sat at a table with three, strange, three strangers. First time at the cellar. Uh, and the lineup was, uh, so Artie Fuqua, Kevin Brennan, um, Michelle Wolf showed up. Uh, Joe List. Love him. Um, Paul Verzi closed. Nice. I'm missing a couple other ones. Uh, but I'm like, holy shit, I pulled this off. It was the last wow. show on a Saturday night. No reservation. Shout out to Artie Fuqua, man. This is, um, this, I'm, I'm going to start a diary just for that. that <laughs> that's a good story. That's a good story to keep telling, you know. I mean, it's amazing the lineups that those clubs get every night. Seriously. And you never know. That's the thing. You never know. Chris Rock could show up and work on some stuff. You know, Louis C.K. could show up and work on some shit. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that, you know, because comedy is so big and people are just now getting into it, they might not know how comedy works in a sense that people don't say, oh, I'm going to go see this guy or I'm going to go see that guy. Well, some people say that. They saw him on Fallon or they saw him on Colbert. Mm -hmm. But it's mm -hmm. like, Ah, let's go see a comedy show. Go see comedy, yeah. And whoever the fuck's on stage is whoever the fuck's on stage. Now, if they don't know him before and they say something they don't like, 
then they start heckling and they start yeah. bitching. And I'm like, look, dude, if you don't know, like this is not like you go to a concert. Like yeah, I know the band or whatever. Right. Yeah. And and here that's what they do. That's their job is to make you laugh. And yet people still act crazy. And I I don't I don't get it. It drives you nuts, doesn't it? I mean, it really I, does. It really does for me. And I. I don't know if it's like the wrong thing to say because uh, there are like, I mean, I've watched Chappelle's, you know, Netflix specials uh-huh. and, and he's talked about all the heckling that he's got. Oh, he's I can been talk about that. Yeah, I know. Uh, right. It's oh, just, it, we it, had a thing. Yeah. You, oh, yeah. Well, with, Go the, ahead. Well, <laughs> with Chappelle, um, well, I don't know thing? how long ago it was like five or six years ago. It was one of the craziest days of my work life uh, at midnight. What, what show was it? It was Chappelle. Where? At, at, Paramount? at the Paramount. Paramount. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he calls us, our booker, at midnight. Uh-huh. And he's like, I want to do a show there tonight at 8 o'clock. So like in, you know, yeah, 20 yeah, hours yeah. from that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, nobody can get away with that, except for maybe Chappelle, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so. I don't do a show, bitch. <laughs> so, so we scrambled, got this show on sale by like 9 or 10 a.m., and of course, it was sold out like an hour later. Yeah. But he was mega celebrity. But also, he hadn't been touring. This was like sort of. This is after yeah. his trip to Africa? This yeah. is after Africa. Yeah. He's back. He's and low honest, key. Honestly, at that point, he didn't have a lot of material. No, he but didn't. He didn't. Well, yeah, there wasn't much. And so he came and like the whole city was like nuts for tickets. But the people that were buying them weren't comedy fans. So this is what we're talking about. They're celebrity fans. They love his show, right? I mean, yeah, everybody wants it. to run around. Rick James, bitch, and all this shit. Oh, yeah, this got to be annoying. That, yeah. It was terrible. So, <laughs> so the show happens, and people are losing their minds, and and he comes out without a whole lot of material, and would have long pauses in the set where he would just stand there, and the idiot crowd was just like yelling things out, you know, from the show. Yeah. And it was uh, the work like for me, I like I felt this ownership of the building. It's not my building, but mm. like just to be an employee there and be involved, mm. like I, I just it like pulled at me mm. and it was so weird. Like this whole experience of people yelling out and Dave he sort of he, no, but he sort of just let it happen. Mm. Really? It was really strange. Like his interaction, like he would let it happen. It, it, he would pause. He would interact with people a little bit. And then that just set off everybody else. Mm. It was one of the weirdest shows. I it's mean, like a social experiment almost rather it, than a show. <laughs> it really was. He's He was up there, you know, getting through every cigarette that he could. I yeah, mean, that's true. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. And he was still amazing. And I can't help but think it was a great show. But, man, it was rough from like an employee perspective. And it became a thing. Like that show, beca- it was in the news. Like that's not true. just locally, but nationwide. It was like. Chappelle's back and everybody's talking through his show. And so we became the, the focus of like this new thought of heckling in the, in the States. It was mm. crazy. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I remember thanks, Dave. That was a weird day. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't mind like turning off my phone or like putting my phone in security with security or like leaving it in the car for, for him. And I, I did the same for Chris Rock last yeah. year. I'm I, I, li- I, like, I like that stuff. I loved it. And I was like, we're back in the nineties fucking cool love it you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let's not date ourselves now but no no I, th- I think that whole like put your phone in the pouch and then you know lock it they should do that live music shows yeah they, as a yeah. venue we i mean I, I can't speak for the whole paramount but we uh like there is a show doing that soon and i'm all for it yeah i think generally people like Do you have a show to announce exclusive maybe? 
<laughs> I would love to tell you, but I can't remember which show it is. I will do it. I'll, I'll find <laughs> Plug Whatever. time. Damn it. Damn it, damn it. Is it almost time? Is he? It's 8.30. Well, okay. let him know. We're going to be speaking to more. To more. <laughs> to more. <laughs> Emmer in a second. But yeah, and I saw Chappelle. He came last year. He had like a bunch of shows. I saw him twice that year. Uh, last year. And then he came in 2015, the same weekend as TV Wonder. Oh, wow. And holy shit. That was a sh- that, I think that was the one where someone threw a banana at him or threw something at him. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't there that day, but he was taping um, a special uh, that weekend. And uh, he had um, Frédéric Yonet, who plays the harmonica, French dude. And, um, and the guy is like, so Chappelle does a show, and then Frédéric comes out at the end. He just starts going off on the harmonica. And then after the show, I met him at the W, we started speaking French. And then he goes, yo, there's this party tomorrow with uh, Stevie Wonder's band at Speakeasy. And Chappelle's going to come later. I'm like, I already got tickets to go see Stevie Wonder the next day. And I'm like, I'm gonna, I'll am i see his band perform. Go to Speakeasy. And band plays all night. And then Stevie Wonder shows up in the mezzanine. It just hangs out over there. Chappelle shows up, gets on stage, and basically tells people, like, put your phones down. This is fucking ridiculous. Do you have Stevie Wonder's band in here? What the hell's wrong with you people? Mm-hmm. Everybody puts their phone down. Keep jamming. Oh, there he is. Hello. What up, Mo? Hey, how's it going? Doing good, doing good. How are things? You're in New York, right? Yeah, I am. Cool. Well, thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Well, of course, man. Thank you for having me. I'm here with Scott Butler from the Paramount. Hey, Mo. How are you? Hey, how's it going, Scott? Great. And Lauren is here. Hi, Mo. Hello, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Why did you talk to her like that? There was a pause. <laughs> Hello, Lauren. I didn't get that. Her name is Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Point made. Point made. Point taken. Scott, Scott would be like... <laughs> what about me? What do I get? Not as fun. Yeah, what's up, Beck? Yeah. You get, you get, yo, what's up, man? What's happening? Uh, I will take that over. Hey, Beck. No. All right, just playing. Just playing. I'm really, I'm really glad I uh, get to talk to you. Uh, like uh, We talked yesterday, and I told you I, I saw you uh, open for Chappelle. Actually, twice when he came. Uh, was it last year? Uh-huh. And, uh yep. Funny show, man. Love it, love it, love it, love it. And I'm really glad that I get to talk to you today. Um, but I want to jump right in because we have a. Uh, you have a show tonight, right? Uh, yeah, I have three tonight. Oh wow! All right, I don't want to. Let's <laughs> yeah, just dive. Start, let's just dive right in then. Uh, so I was reading. Yeah, you good? I was reading up a little bit and listening to other interviews you did. So, born in Kuwait. Uh, and then left during the because of the the Gulf War, and then came to mm-hmm. Texas. Part one, yeah. <laughs> Gulf War part one. Part one. Well, part how part how, one, yeah. how old were you? Um, when you came to I Texas, nine. nine. Yeah, I was nine years old. Yeah. So how how did uh you know coming to Texas of all places is like you know culture shock where you're like oh my god I can't believe I'm in the land of Dukes of Hazard. And Cowboys and all that. Kuwait Junior. For real? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> Look, man, I, I I left France and moved to Texas, so I can relate. I, 
I mean, there was no war in France, but as far as like coming to straight to Texas from abroad, it's like a big Those like, are culture all shock. Three wildly different places. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So what, what was that? Um, what was that like? I mean, it was so much fun learning about crime. Uh, <laughs> wonderful. I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea what crime was, and uh, welcome to Houston. Showed me everything. No, it was it was really uh, obviously it was a very traumatic experience uh, leaving Kuwait uh, to come into Houston, and, and it was really really different, obviously. But uh, but you know we're always my brothers were going to college in uh, in America, and you know we watch American television, so it was just uh, kind of like. It was like prep work has been done, and you just get in and you have to acclimate. I mean, it's so much. I went to a private British English school in Kuwait, and learning multiple languages, and the curriculum is really next level. Right. And you come near Houston, and unfortunately, the curriculum is not like that, and uh, the environment's not like that, the school's not like that, the arrangement's not like that. And you just, man, you gotta learn how to fight, you gotta learn how to. Like, <laughs> this is not normal. You know, like, this is not normal to me. How long did it take you to say y'all? How long did it take you to say uh, y'all? About three days. Three, man, it took me five years. <laughs> you got to learn how to. Oh, no, you quick. know, I don't even know. I don't know. It just happened. I can't remember. Man, so um, first stand-up show that you go to is Bill Cosby, right? Uh, what was uh, it? Was at the rodeo. Uh-huh. Uh, my brother was trying to get my mind off things. We put it on. You know, I've been in uh, Houston for about a year at that point. Mm-hmm. And we went to the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. And it was uh, double build with the band Alabama and Bill Cosby. <laughs> like that <laughs> pause right there. Like, what a wonderful what a conversation. Yeah. And Bill Cosby. It was crazy. Like, I didn't know what stand up was. And uh, surely I didn't know who the band Alabama was. Um, and you know, just really watching some rodeo too, watching these crazy guys get on these bulls and just hold on as long as they can. And these clowns just like pop up and it was just one of those experiences. And then Bill Cosby comes on stage, uh-huh. uh, on this rotating stage and in front of 70,000 people, all he has is a lapel mic and a chair. And he's telling me he's unbelievable stories. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's hilarious. What is this? And my brother's like, that's stand-up comedy. I was like, that's what I'm going to do with my life. So you knew who Cosby was, was at the time? Um, No, I didn't know. That was the first time I was introduced to Cosby. Well, I, I've seen a sitcom at that point. You know, mm-hmm. That was like, it is, uh, I think in the tail end of the run, I can't remember exactly, but yeah, I knew, I knew who he was. But I didn't know he did I knew he was an actor in a series. Yeah, that's true. Like, if I even barely knew him, like, there was a lot of stuff that we were all going through as a family at that time. So it was, uh, yeah, it was just like I would be a comedian, and my brother's like, "Whatever, you crazy ass." (laughs) You know, like, no, man, you don't know. So yeah, that's how I that's how I decided to be be a comedian. Like, I don't care what anybody says. Himself is still funny. That special, that Cosby special, mm-hmm. it talks about uh, childbirth yeah. and all that. Uh, that still cracked me up. Mm-hmm. We watched that shit in uh, health class. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask why. Yeah, I mean, like, we watched it in English class. We watched there it. you go, it was see? Amazing. Like, yeah. Hell yeah, learn English, no, listen I mean, to Cosby. I mean, that was like the go-to. I mean, right? it was super clean. It was hilarious. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, everybody watched it. And, you know, I don't know why you had to premise, like, I don't care what anybody says. It was funny. I don't know who disputes that Cosby was not a great artist. Um, I think what we uh, what we dispute is the rapes. Looking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. gross. So that was like the... It was really sad, but I mean, like you can't take that away from. Us. No, you can't. You can't what just he contributed. No. What he contributed to the entertainment industry, what he contributed to, you know, black culture and and culture in general. You know, so it's just like I don't eh. like when to take that shit away from people. Like, oh, you don't exist anymore. Everything you did just because you fucked up in life. Uh. Uh-uh. Mm. Anyway, so. <clears throat> fast no, I, no, that's different. I like you know, it's, it's still like a contribution, and you still rape. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> It is, I'm but like, I mean, that's really dope, and this is gross. I'm sad that that happened. I'm sad you uh, you came up in an era where everybody rapes. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? I was raping yesterday, yeah. man. <laughs> it's like, you're too late like everybody raped in that era. It was crazy. It was all, that's all they did. They didn't know anything else. But <laughs> that was Saturday. That was Saturday yeah. night. Uh and then yeah, so it was, it really was. So you caught mm-hmm. you, you caught the bug right then and there, and then yep. like when did you decide? Okay, this is what I'm gonna do. Right that moment. Well, I mean, sorry, dumb question on my part, my bad. Uh, like going to school because you it's not the first time I started, first time I did comedy. Yeah, it was like in you, uh, ninth grade. Oh shit! Yeah, I was in ninth grade uh, in my English class. I was just skipping a lot, man. I just didn't care and. My father had died at that moment. Mm-hmm. He passed away like uh, four years later, and I was just like, "That was it for me," you know. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Fuck life, fuck life, and thug life at the same time." <laughs> I, just, like, I just didn't care, you know. I was really, really mad at, at life, and I was just an angry kid, you know. I'm a hot, happy kid, funny kid, but inside I was suffering. So I was just like. Quit going to school. I was going to Astros games. <laughs> I was like living Ferris Bueller's Day off every day. <laughs> I look at Ferris Bueller's Day off like that's it. Just <laughs> <laughs> one day. Ferris ain't that's, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, that's it, son. It's like whatever. I'll go to Mexico I'll be back tomorrow. You know, like, it's just craziness. But, um, but yeah, but and, did you perform uh, for your teachers or something? Like in yeah, class? Yeah, no, no. My teacher, my te- yeah, in class, yeah. My teacher was like, hey, you're skipping, you're a smart kid, don't you want to be a comedian? I was like, you're damn right I want to be a comedian. And she's like, well, you know, you're, you're, you know, how would you feel if you don't graduate high school? You know, you gotta, I was like, oh, my God. And then she said, how would your dad feel if you don't graduate high school? And I was like, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> oh, shit. Oh, really? You don't like, go there? You dad is you cold-blooded, you know? <laughs> no, she was right, though. She had every, she was completely right. And she made a deal with me. And she said, if you, if you go up in front of the class and uh, do a monologue, any Shakespeare monologue, right? I'll man, give that's you the same grade. I'll give you, I'll pass you. And then she goes, I'll let you do stand-up on a regular basis, you know, in class. Oh, uh, shit. Wait, hold so on, hold on, hold on. Every morning, I, like, you g- uh-huh. get up, nine, nine o'clock, the bell rings, and then there you are in front of the class right after roll call? Is that... Not every morning. No, <laughs> no not every morning. So, the, so that one, so she let me do, like, once a week. Uh-huh. But, uh, but, um, and she made a deal with me, like, if I go up in front of the class at that 
moment, she said, I'll pass you, basically give you give you a better grade, you know, and I would let you let you do stand up in class. It was just wow. a way for her to get me to, to motivate me. Because yeah, she right. knew I wanted to be a comedian. So, I, uh, so that's what I did. I was like, oh, my God, I'm kidding. I get to get a passing grade. And all I have to do is just go up there and do Shakespeare. And I get to do stand-up. No deal. Did you no have, big deal. Did None. you have your own material, though? To me or not to me? Well, that, did, you have oh, your, yeah, did you write your own material? Or was it all Shakespeare? Yeah, I rushed that night. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're going to make me come to Austin right now and just tear you up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll no, see you on the twenty eighth. I wrote a regular basis, yeah. So I, I would, you let me finish, buddy. All right. So I, yeah, I just did Shakespeare in front of the class, and then I, and then I would do, uh, I would do, st- I did stand up the next day. I was horrified, so I just went home and started writing uh, stuff I want to talk about, and then I went the next day and did a very physical, you know, more physical, funny stand up performance in front of the class. Hard. I was like, oh man, I'm addicted. So that was it. And then I was just standing for the rest of the year. My my teacher took me down to uh, my theater. Excuse me, my um, English teacher took me down to theater arts. She's like, this kid's been coming in like on a weekly basis, doing original stand-up, different voices, accents. I'm like, ah, I think this kid needs to be in theater arts. And my theater arts, who was not my theater arts teacher, but then became my theater arts teacher, Miss Kreisner. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, sure, you know. She brought him in, brought me in, and next thing you know, I'm doing like lead roles. So it was crazy. It's crazy. So it changed my life. What about like the first time you got on stage, like on the national stage, like you know, going from you know performing oh, in school? Yeah, you start in the clubs. Right. Yeah. I was 17, yeah, at the Laugh Stop. That was the first time I was on stage during the Houston's Funniest Person competition. Oh, nice. And, yeah, that was, that was like, my first stage. And, and uh, I signed up for that competition the same day on the, as the deadline. And they were like, great, you performed two days later. I was like, great. And then I went, I was walking out. I was like, shit, all I have is, like, high school material <laughs> but I need to go right so there I go again like two days in a row just at night just coming up with a five minute set and you don't know how long five minutes is like you just guess it mm-hmm. so I went and wrote and wrote and wrote so I went up and I did a, like a really good job for me being you know first time on stage at a comedy club uh, ended up making like the wild card and then people started meeting me and then I found out the, you know, basically the stand-up game. I was like, oh, come here, open mic, da da da, you know. And, mm-hmm. and at that point, I wasn't even supposed to be in a comic club. I was actually at the age of age 17 at that time. So, but nobody asked because I looked like a 40-year-old mobster. I don't know why <laughs> I dressed like a, like a gangster. I don't know. It was weird. I don't know what phase I was going. I think it was just like that Goodfellas thing that got in my head. So I was just uh, dressed like an Italian car dealer. I don't know. So uh, so I would just do, you know, got, got on that game, and it was just, it was over. It was over mics. It was just that hustle, right? Well, you, and uh, people told me about the comedy showcase, and, and that's like where you grow. And I went to the comedy showcase, and Danny Martinez took me under his wings right after, get, right after he saw me. He was like, if you listen to me, I've basically taught a lot of comedians that have gone on to highly successful careers. Mm-hmm. If you listen to me, I think you're going to be you're going to be one of my best students. So, did um, you? Like, w- what circuit were you like? 
We this was still in uh, in Texas. So you were traveling at the time already? East Coast, West yeah, Coast, yeah, and all no, that. No, yeah, all in Houston. Yeah, all in Houston. So and I started touring all over the South. Oh, dope. Mm-hmm. So when when did you uh, start going? Like you know, the cellar, the the store, you know, some of the Laugh Factory, some of those big clubs. Yeah, even the international LA clubs. Yeah, L.A. clubs, I've always um, hit them up, you know. So the first, I would say it took me like mm, five, six years mm-hmm. before I started going to L.A. Like really like, okay, now I'm getting ready because you got to do your time. You have to travel. You have to get better. You have to do all those shitty gigs. You have to go. You, It's a must. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you can't just be like, oh, I've got six weeks of open mic ready for this LA shit, you know, ready for New York. Like that's not the way it works. There's a lot of time that go in. I mean, for me, the seller, you know, I waited 17 years, 16 and a half years or wow. so before I committed to like getting in because when you get in, you better be great. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's not like it used to be. The seller was at a point where not only did I be passed or whatnot, but you know, like, it's a prestigious place. It's a, it's a stage where, you know, so many greats go on on a given, any given night. And then you could be following three greats in a row. Like mm-hmm. it's happened to me so many times. So I wanted to get in and I wanted to be a powerhouse right out of the gate. Uh, and LA was wonderful, but it's not, it wasn't just like for me, you know, the vibe wasn't for me. And New York is the spot, you know, for me, New York is like the Mecca of stand up to me. New York is, it really is true. It sounds corny as shit, but if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. That it's is really, true. really true. That is true. Did you, if you love there, then you do well. Did mm-hmm. you have um, like a comedian? They're like, oh my god, I'm, this is who I'm. I'm inspiring to be. Maybe not Cosby at the, t- at the time, but like, did you have somebody? Yeah, you're like, oh, like yeah. I want to be that guy. I want to do. I want to do. I want to be bigger than that guy. I never thought about it as like I want to be bigger as that guy or as big as that guy or that. But I always think like, you know, uh, the level of maturity I can get my stand up to be at. You know, I want to be as clever or I want to be. You know, I desire to have a career like X. I don't know. It's kind of a, it's kind of a scary thing to get into. You know, mm-hmm. I'm more it's like I'm my own person. I admire other people's work. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, like Louis C.K. was one of those guys that was coming up. You'd watch, you're like, "Damn, he's so damn good, right?" Yeah. I mean, like I watched him in '99 when I was first starting out, and I was like, "Jesus Christ, this guy's this guy is a beast," you know? Like he's so funny. Mm-hmm. And Doug Stanhope too. I was like, "My God!" And then Dave Attell, you're like, "Oh shit, he gets even more genius." And then. Chappelle, and then it's like so many really outstanding comedians that were, you know, that I got to watch firsthand, and and uh, and I just, you know, aspired to be as great as I can be, uh-huh. and uh, you know, I have career goals for myself and milestones, and it's, uh, you know, here we are, you know, 19 years later to film my special, and and I'm, you know, they say 20 years for overnight success, so I'm really excited. Oh man, congrats, congrats! So, um, you travel, you travel the world, you know, doing comedy. You did USO tours. Uh, how would you compare the American crowd and the international crowd? Yeah, I want to identify first of all. Like, I did a lot of, 
I did some MWR and USO shows, right, for mm-hmm. U.S. troops. Probably like over 100 military bases worldwide. But then I had like a really successful and still do career doing theaters, like for locals in those places. So mm-hmm. when you're doing U.S. shows, U.S. military shows, you're obviously performing for like 99% U.S. audience, uh-huh. right? And then there's like local workers, right? <laughs> very few. But but when I when I had the overseas tip like kickoff. Did like the Royal Albert Hall in London twice. I did the Apollo in London twice. Nelson Mandela Theater in South wow. Africa to Australia to it was crazy, crazy run, right? Mm-hmm. That's also why I did later. I'm like, yo, I'm doing well. Like, let me just enjoy the stand up touring and yada yada. Uh, and then you know, I was like, man, but my home, I gotta focus on America. Like, this is getting you know, I really need to pop off there, and so. um what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, international well, crowd and American crowds. Ah, uh, man, it's the same, bro. Like, the fact that stand-up comedy is, like, really proliferating all over the world now with the rise of stand-up. Because stand-up is an original American art form. There's only three. It's stand-up, hip-hop, and jazz. Right. Like, that's it. So jazz and hip-hop have already had their and still do continue to have their time. Uh, and, uh, you know, comedy's now really, really popping off. So yeah, it is. it's really a, a, just a great blessing because you don't really have to shift your material very much at all. At all, really. Mm-hmm. You know, most of them know the references, unless you have something super unique. But everything I do is very, I mean, not everything, but a lot of us come from personal experiences and truth. So that kind of stuff, you don't have to worry about changing. So I, I was saying earlier before uh, before we get on the phone uh, that comedians are like today's philosopher. They're the Socrates and the Aristotles. They like they give you a perspective on things and on life that you might not you know get on your own, and it's refreshing and it's like uh, I mean, got to be funny, of course. Um, and so in your in your stand up, you know, you talk about you know immigration. You basically, you like look. Uh, this is what it's like to be in my shoes. This is what I'm bringing to the table. I'm giving you my perspective on on life. So, what people tell you when you know when you get off stage? What kind of reaction do you get? Um, it's tell me to go fuck myself sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I, I think stand up. I think stand up comedians have always been that. Uh-huh. Uh, I think stand ups are really. I mean, definitely the greats. I would say that they are really introspective and they really just are hard on our, we're really hard on ourselves and we mm-hmm. can't stop thinking and it's all we do. And, and we do offer up a perspective. Sure. You know, that's always been the case. I don't think it's a new thing and stand up has always been an art form again in, in its original form to not only make you laugh, but also make you think mm-hmm. the greatest comedians have been the ones that make you laugh and also uh, force you to reflect mm-hmm. on what that joke is and how they came up with it. So that's always been really, really important. And uh, and I'm a purist, you know, I really love it. And, and I started out as like, yo, Muhammad in the South, I am <laughs> trying to make it. And I am, and you know, you have to, 
like 99% of the time I was their first experience at that, right? I don't know how many Arab comedians are going to West Midlands performing to, to, uh, to Midland, Odessa, to, you know, Abilene, to Wichita Falls, to, you know, Redmond, Oklahoma, to, to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to Altus, Oklahoma. Like nobody knows where Altus is. No, like, never. So it's really, <laughs> you know, it's like I was offering this something that, you know, a new relationship that most people have never had before. So it was really, really unique and, and experience that I would never, ever want to be any different, aside from the time where I got my room searched in home Louisiana when they thought I... Wait, 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 what? I was a terrorist. But that's a whole other story. You know? Oh, man. <laughs> the Lanya sure Music is? Cafe. Oh, uh, we, have, we have all... Yeah, I was on admit. stage. My room was getting searched, and I was on stage doing stand-up. Like, oh, I'm so great. I just sold out all my merchandise. I just smoke weed with some beautiful women. I'm having a great time. And then I look over and there's like surrounded by cops. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> and uh, and I'm outside. There's like six squad cars all of a sudden. I was like, oh, my God. There's like a dozen cops, detectives. Like, we have identity theft. I was like, oh, somebody stole my identity. I'm so stupid. <laughs> I was a prime suspect. And they searched my room, and they did all kinds of garbage. And there was, like, people from the crowd outside, leave me alone, y'all. He was funny. <laughs> like, it was just wildly embarrassing, oh, uh, wow. especially when you're innocent. So, yeah, but definitely comedians are modern-day philosophers, and I think they're – and I think that's always been the case, you know, from Lenny Bruce to George Carlin to Richard Pryor to yep. uh, Red Fox. I mean, they all offered <laughs> – a philosophy they all offered a perspective and a point of view and and uh, the greats certainly do that so um i got a question from a uh audience member i was filling that question uh, online and um it was asking if you made a, j a joke that had a bad reaction because i mean you talk about you know um things that could be sensitive, you know, to, 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 to people. And how did you, how did you react to it? Like, what did you brush it off? Did it bother you? Mm -hmm. No, you mean like bombing on stage? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. That's just part of the game. You just brush it off and you move on. That's it. There you go. That's, that's, there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, look, if you haven't, eating a shit sandwich on stage you haven't done enough sets <laughs> you just haven't done enough that's the in bottom 19 line. years You're yeah you know shit yeah yeah i mean like look thankfully i didn't have much of a problem like uh they were rare but when mm. they happen they're like i'll eat that shit that up. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta go on biggest thing the best thing you can do for yourself is just go on stage immediately you know like again after you eat shit you just uh -huh. gotta mm. you just gotta after that crow sandwich you just gotta go right away and do another set that's what i would do if i had a bad system i was like oh let me just flip this flip that flip this change that let me go do this mm -hmm. and i would show up but i don't care if there's like three people in the audience or 300 whatever just get on stage again so you just get out of that immediately i mean man i been in this game so long that I've, I think I've had some of the worst and best experiences, right? It just comes in stand-up. Mm. I get heckled by mentally handicapped dudes <laughs> for an hour. Oh, my God. Like, during a headliner, headliner set. I had nothing. I just had to 
stand up there and let him have his moment. And uh, it was the worst. It was like the worst. He was booming, and then he would laugh at himself booing me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, there is nothing you could do. I'm on a college campus. Like, you know, these kids are sensitive as shit. And yeah. I flew this, in and this, all that. And the kid's like, boo. <laughs> this is where we're living now. People are sensitive. For, for like 50 minutes, nobody stopped him. Nobody talked to him. Like, who is this guy? And then, and then the whole time I started laughing at myself. Like, I'm on stage <laughs> seeing this whole thing unfold. And I told you, I remember telling all the students, I was like, I don't think you guys are appreciating how genius this kid is because this is probably his biggest enjoyment, right? I didn't say that loud. <laughs> He's but made what his if day. He was, what if he knew what he was doing before he got here? And I think he did. And he knew <laughs> that he was going to put me in the worst situation ever. <laughs> and it was going to be like his favorite thing, his favorite story for the rest of his life. Like that's what's happening. No, he went home. He's like, "Mom, you know what I did today?" You know, like it's just. <laughs> I made a comedian a me- like gave him a memory. <laughs> reminded a comedian of his own mortality for fifty minutes in front of five hundred people. So yeah, that was like one of the worst <laughs> shit sandwiches I ever ate. He started sure. a diary that day. Um. <laughs> Day. <laughs> 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 the feather pen. <laughs> so I want to get that kid shows up. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get to to yeah. Chappelle. Do you meet Chappelle? Chappelle meets you. Uh, it was actually funny you say that. It was um, you know, we had a show called Allah Made Me Funny. We toured all over the world doing it. Mm-hmm. And Dave's family came out to our tour stop in Columbus, Ohio. And his mom, when I say his whole family, his mom came out, his sister, his brother, and his niece. Mm-hmm. And then he came out and did an hour after our show because he was a fan of ours because his family became a fan of ours. It was a whole situation. Mm-hmm. So he comes out to meet us and to meet him, you know, it was like, it was the first opportunity for him to meet all three of us because he's met two of my partners and he hasn't met me yet. So we all just get together. We'll have dinner after the show. He comes on stage, does an hour, squeaky clean, murders the whole place. It's (laughs) unbelievable. We all go out together. We all have a great meal and get to know each other. And that's how the relationship started. That was in uh, 2007. Oh, wow. That long ago. Man. Yeah, yeah, and I I saw Chappelle in '99. You know when I first started out at the last stop, and actually last night when I was with him in Philly, he, he was like, "You saw me there," and he <laughs> hit me the back. Like, now they were touring together, 19 years later. Like it's amazing. Yeah, so we started. I started touring with Dave like in, for the first time I actually did a show on that he was doing, uh-huh. like around 2012. Yeah, 2012. What started touring together? What's the the craziest thing you see um, you see Chappelle do, or just at a show, just because you know, just because you're with Chappelle? Craziest thing I've seen him do? Yeah, or just like a good story from just like hanging out with him. I mean, I can't imagine what oh, it's like so to be many, around. Bro. I bet, I bet. Yeah, I don't even know. I just, I just find it really funny that when I'm hanging out with him, like in L.A. or something. Mm-hmm. 
and we happen to be in the city at the same time. I just find it funny he doesn't tell me where I'm going, like where we're going. <laughs> and we always end up at like the dopest shit ever. Like I and I have no idea. Like I went to I remember going to GGIB's birthday party and I didn't know I was going to her birthday party. And we just stopped. I thought we were just going to some bar where celebrities hang out and it was like surrounded by like forty paparazzi in front of this place and I was like Oh, these guys are such worse. And then the next day, I didn't even, by the way, I didn't even know I was going to GGP's birthday party. I thought I was just going to hang out mm-hmm. with Dave. And then the next day, it's like, TMZ was there, oh my God. All these, and I was like, yeah, I did see Bono. That's, was that really Bono? He was like, <laughs> I didn't have no idea. Like, he just hangs out. His friends are like crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, like the shows, I uh, the secret shows that he does where yeah. uh, he does the band, the juke joints. Yeah. My God. Uh, I remember, I remember, you know, he does the show and, and, uh, you know, he leads it. He actually is the lead with it, with the band, with uh, Stevie wonders band. It's amazing. And, and all these surprise guests come in and, uh, and all of a sudden I hear to my right, it's like, uh, you got a light. I was like, I look over and it's Nas. And oh, there you go. I'm just sure. Nas's joint. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes up and forms and doing it, and then, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Excuse me," because I'm right there in front of the stage with Dave. Uh-huh. And then the guy goes, "Excuse me," and I look over to the right, and a Stevie Wonder just like walking in, like, "Oh, what's up, Stevie? Oh my <laughs> God, can I please have a hug?" You know, it's, it's just I don't know. It's just a different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as like crazy, like honestly, talent and abilities on stage is. He's just one of one. He yeah. really is just one of one. The guy can just do six hours. And he's like that exactly. on and off stage. I mean, like on stage, he, he's an incredibly intelligent human being, but I'm saying on stage, it's just like, golly, he just gets, doesn't have his, he has this motor. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's just unbelievable. That to me is the most impressive thing about him the ability that endurance on stage is just just he's one of one yeah he is he really is he really is it's incredible do you do you have a question oh no what i'm curious about you you've got three weeks now until your special uh Uh and and you're running around with dave uh opening but still working in it sounds like tons of other shows so uh like where are you in in the well? How long is the special going to be? How long is the show? <laughs> like you, like you've got to put it together, no right? You've got 19 years of material. Uh, uh-huh. Like how how are you putting this thing together now? This is a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. So I'm just working my ass off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it sounds have, like it. I have you know my you know it's my introductory piece, right? So yeah. this is my like coming out party. So I want everybody to know how I got here to answer all those questions Mm -hmm. to what I had to deal with and, and where I am today. And uh, I have another hour that's just like, you know, all completely different. So I think it's really important to frame everything in the first special to let everybody know who I am, where I come from, who my stories are. And they're super funny. They're poignant, they're timely, all that. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, that's what I've been structuring it. That's what I've been worrying. I'm not even worrying about it. I'm just, focusing on that and and now at this point it's just like uh 
you know, adding seasoning and tasting, right? But yeah. not adding too much, tasting before adding. <laughs> so this is all that's really happening. It's, um, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's exactly about 52 minutes at this point. I, it was at, like, 58, and I decided to do 52, and then I'm going to add uh, some stuff for the openings. And, yeah, but it's ready. It's very ready. Um, you know, even Dave told me yesterday, he was like, man, don't overdo it. You know, don't go too much. I don't want you to get burned out. You know, it's like, no, nah, I'm not burned out. Mm-hmm. So I'm just working on other stuff. So I have a whole other hour that I have, so I'm going to run that tonight. Does that even have to do with the the special itself? Um, and then I have two other sets after that that are about 20 minutes long each, and those I'll, I'll work out some of the stuff I'll do for the special. Or else I'm just going to get really bored, you know? Oh, absolutely. It's the same thing. That's I want it to be fresh. And, yeah. But everything is sharp. It's super sharp. I ran it in Philly with Dave yesterday. It was, um, I'm just excited, man. I'm ready. Probably yeah. got a vault of like three specials already ready to go. We just got to yeah. you know, rearrange them. You that's got all great. the material. Yeah, that's about right. I mean, I think I'm about like, um, I think I have about four that I'm proud of, you know, that I can that I can work on. Wow, that's amazing, that I just, man. But it, they require a lot of work, though, trust me. They require, they're, they're great premises, and they look great, but, uh, you know, the maturity in the games, like, you know how you can, you know, work these things out. Right. And uh-huh. there's just, like, all these hours and hours of footage that you accumulate, at least for myself. I have that from years past, and uh, over the last four years, I've really been dedicated to filming most of my sets and some cases i just freestyle for that entire you know you're at a club all week you're just sick of doing the jokes or whatever and then you just you know what let's just see what you guys want to talk about and you end up doing an hour hour and a half of freestyling and that's how i write um like, then you come up with all these different bits and then you watch it and i'm like oh yeah i said that oh shit that is funny and then you take that and that's how i write that's how that's how really my style is, is that I take the concept on stage, mm-hmm. I work it out, I freestyle with the audience, and then I forget usually what I did, and then I watch <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, and it all goes it, away in like, the adrenaline. Oh, yeah. That's exactly, you just forget, yeah, you're just like, oh yeah, what did I say, and then one of those things. So I started filming most of them, and uh, at the very least recording, audio recording, uh-huh. Um, and then I, and then I write out the premises there, and I tease them out from there, and I you know write and add to them, and, and that's how they become part of the journal. At some point, I'm like, oh yeah, that's funny. I'm gonna go revisit that, and I'll do that one night. That's amazing. So the special yeah. happens, yeah. and then you're just right back in it. Uh, you're not starting from yeah. scratch. You're gonna have so much to just keep going. That's great. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That- so I'll put out the special, and then I'll, I'll I'm gonna hibernate for like two three months and work um post-production and like going out and trying new material and trying all the old stuff that i have that i that's new that i have to me mm-hmm. and everyone else um yeah and then just like see what i like see what i hate and start building it up again piecing it together and finding the right flow and i'm hoping by uh by like at least late fall to have the hour where i want it to be and then start really putting it to work on the road in in the 2019. That's great. So wow. is the schedule set now for the for the Netflix special? Like you, you'll tape it obviously and then there'll be editing 
are you are you involved mm-hmm. in the editing or you, do you pass that off to somebody else oh, to, yeah. to put it together oh extremely involved yeah yeah, yeah. Just every bit yeah so yeah i have to basically after austin because i have such a uh, i have a like a really tight deadline so i have to go immediately to la Mm-hmm. and start the editing process mm-hmm. like i'm gonna spend i'm gonna enjoy the weekend after we film at the paramount yeah. right uh on june 28th and then after that it's over like i'll be i'll be in the i'll be in the editing room for july probably. Wow. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so you've got I'll a deadline in it. from them wow. Wow. Uh-huh. like to deliver a product yeah it's, it's it's a self-imposed deadline oh, because oh, if okay, i wanted it released in october mm-hmm. uh oh. it's definitely like it's it's something I put on myself, I mean, and it's also a Netflix thing where you have to turn in the product by X time for you to get X release because there's all this, um, all the stuff that goes with, uh, with, uh, excuse me, with, with Netflix because it's a global release. So you have all these subtitles, there's all the stuff that they have to prepare. Oh yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> all amazing. the la- different languages. Yeah. yeah. And they yeah, do different it languages, so often. Promo materials. Yeah, it's a freaking ama- it's an amazing thing. Nobody puts it out there like that. So, so for you to take advantage of that, especially for me, I'm global guy, and, and it's important. So, yeah, you got to turn in by a certain time, or else you don't get your release date. And then next thing you know, you're in that line, and you don't. Yeah, I'm not gonna get released till 2019, mm. wow. which is which is too long <laughs> for me. I want to get in that new hour as soon as possible. So I think there's no point in just waiting. So what, what's the name of this special? I don't know. You didn't give it a name? Yeah. <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> it's called See What Happens. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's called See What Happens. <laughs> you know, Dave, Dave told me, Dave gave me some great advice. He said, see the baby before you name the baby. Yeah. That, oh, that's, that, yeah, that's great Smart. advice. That is good. Yeah, advice. so that's what I'm going to do. Perfect. You know, in, um, in Africa, we do that. We don't give the baby a name to a baby for two weeks because you never know. Yeah. So you, you just don't name them. <laughs> That's true. Really? That's, yeah, you don't. We just had just, just had a four month old, and we didn't give it a name until like a week later. Anyway, um, oh, wow. what? So they're like, let me see if this asshole is yeah. an asshole or not. Yeah, it, it pretty much. It's like shit can happen. Whether he deserves this prophetic name or not. Let me see if well, this name. not just that. If you name it after somebody and then shit happens, you're like, oh, fuck. That's funny. Let's <laughs> oh just wait till the kid's 18. Let's we'll yeah. call, call him it for 18 years or you guy. Um, so you take it. Call him earn it. You're taping it in Texas, uh, dear to your heart. Did you come to Austin a lot when you were in Houston? Yeah, man, who doesn't? Ah, everybody comes here now. Like, who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't do that? Who goes from Austin to Houston to party? Like, it does happen. <laughs> Never once. Like, when I was coming up. I don't go. Never been. When I was coming up. Nope. Yeah, everybody goes from Houston to Austin. I mean, that was the spot. And all my uh, friends I grew up with, uh-huh. they're like my brothers, you know, to this day. Uh, they all went to UT and they're all doing very well for themselves. So that was like, oh, we're a comedian. So I used to go book shows <laughs> in Austin all the time. So I could just hang out on 6th Street, man. It was freaking 18, 19, 20. Like, of course, I'm going to go have fun in Austin. I don't like the time. So, uh, yeah, one of my first headliner gigs was at the Velveeta Room. Yeah. Oh, nice. Early, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like 17, 16 years ago. I don't know long ago it's been but but hell yeah austin has uh lots of memories of me and of course 
doing those shows with Chappelle the last two years kind of cemented everything for me. So it's just like, I love, it's a great city, great comedy town. Mm-hmm. I wanted to film in Houston. I was trying to find, find a venue in Houston, like we going back and forth. And it just worked out that Austin, Austin was going to get it. Yeah. yeah. We'll take it. Yeah, we'll take it. Yeah. Come back in, come yeah. back anytime, man. Shit. No, that's exciting for us. Absolutely. Yeah. No, this, this is great. Um, one last thing before uh, um, before we leave. Um, I know you're not a probably not a big fan of of Trump. Some people are. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> whatever. Um, but uh, do, do you feel like you know with the climate today um, that having someone like him in the White House you know helps with comedy? Like people thought Bush was like the the thing for eight years. You could really like go at go mm-hmm. at him. And then Obama was like, all right, we're going to chill out a little <laughs> bit because we got, I mean, there's not much you can really make fun of. And then Obama here comes Trump. Chill out. Yeah, Obama, Obama was like, let me show y'all how to be a politician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we go That's total Obama opposite. Was. Obama was like, look at these words. You know? <laughs> and, then, uh, and then just fucking behind the scenes, just throwing drones everywhere, you know? So it's like, it's a game. It's a gross, it's it's gross to be the president. Like it's a really gross job. It's really a filthy rotten job. And um, either you know how to articulate yourself, bring people together while you're handling this garbage. Uh Nobody did it better than Obama. Yeah. Um, And Trump, to me, when he was elected, like before he was elected, I was telling white people in New York, like he was going to (laughs) win. White people in New York. And they were were booing me. And I was like, whatever, you're wrong. He's going to win. Yeah. I knew he was going to win when I was sitting in LA in Echo Park. (laughs) And I overhear this white family struggle talking to each other. And he's two parents, very liberal parents, go to their daughter. I just, I just, sweetie, I just don't, we can't have the Clintons in there again. We just can't. And I look back, and I was like, this is L.A. So friends, like, what? Are you for real? I was like, oh, my God, this guy is going to win. This is before, you know, he even won. Uh, the Republican nomination. It was mm-hmm. the year before that. So it was insane for me to hear that. And I knew he was going to win. And I also knew that when he wins, it's going to make me rich. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? He would make a great stand up comedian, I think. I think Trump is a comedian. <laughs> I really... He's a comedian. My mom, I remember calling my mom one time and she was like, you know, there's a funny comedian, fun, funnier than you'll ever be. I was like, shit, my mom's watching comedy. I was like, who's the comedian? I was, you know, real jealous now because I want, I want to be my mom's favorite. Yeah. And, uh, and she's like, uh, she's like, Trump. I was like, shit. Yeah. Like, right. Uh, he is. You're right. I mean, every. He's, he's a ridiculous man. I sat next to his son and I just know he's just uh, played the game and he was on his way to making a book or whatever the hell he was going to do. And he got elected and he was like, shit. Now I gotta do this job. I gotta work. <laughs> I gotta fuck. And he had it good. He had it good before the running. He's like, I can't get on TV and talk shit and do whatever I want and call Obama yeah. a non-American and a Muslim. Nobody gives a shit. 
And now it's like, he oh, now I got to work. Now I got when I say yeah. things, it means something. But I don't yeah. think he gives a shit in the first place. It's just something else on, on his resume at this point. Yeah. But he's funny. Yeah, he wanted to win, man. He was like this. I looked at his son, looked at Eric, and I was like, look, I know how your dad got elected. He manipulated the media. He knew that the words that he was using would dominate, and people would talk about him mostly, and, and that's how he got elected. And he goes, yeah. It's about- like, he didn't even stutter. I was like, <laughs> he didn't even like. Now he understood. Want to oppose yeah, he knows. It's like, yeah, we're in now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he answered like this. He, answered, he was like, yes, my dad is very funny. No, it was it was it was actually I really did feel like that. I was like, well, I'm just gonna be wildly successful. That's what's gonna happen. This is one of the year I'm gonna break through. It's so funny. It, it looks like that. Yes, it, it works. It where people thought Bush yeah, was I it, did but it as a joke, but it was freaking true. <laughs> um, you're a big. I mean, hanging out with Chappelle, you got, are you a hip-hop head? Like, Of course. Yeah, got to be. So, um, off the top of your head, like, I want to do a top top five real quick. Hip-hop. On the ground, top mainstream. Five, top five, top five, top five, top five. Oh, tough, man. I know, I know. Uh, I mean. Well, who you who okay, you feeling these days? Biggie. I mean, Pocket Biggie, Black Thought to be on the top five. Yes. Uh, Beth, man, Wu Tang Clan. I mean, God, man, I, I'm already done. <laughs> Say Wu Tang Clan. That, that's, that's nine of them. Jay Z's on there. I mean, like, yeah, it's like I'm, I'm such a fan. Was underground hip hop, indie hip hop, brother Ali is like yeah, amazing. good one. Uh, Rhapsody, amazing. Oh. Yeah, I love Rhapsody. Yeah, I mean, like, so much southern hip hop, Houston, trillionaires. Were you a UGK Bundy, fan? Trey the Truth. There you go. UGK. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. So many. 4G. Like, my God. I don't know what to do. <laughs> no, I'm glad. I'm glad. so much. It, yeah. Well, we're going to wrap things up, man. Thank you. Oh, wait. Hold on. Before we go. Oh, yeah. Before we go. I do. So, you, you, beyond, yeah, go beyond the Netflix joint, like, what what's next? Is it, you know, theater, movie, TV, development? Like, what's what's in the books right now? Well, I uh, am uh, casting a show on Hulu uh, called uh, Tentative Entitled Rami that's going to be filming this uh, this fall. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to go in immediately to start working on my second special. Uh, yeah, and I, yeah, getting into movies as well from the movie last year. Uh, and I'm doing, I'm doing more of that. I'm just going to be doing more film and television, but Really, you know, stand up is my baby, and that's where it's at for me. And the main focus is getting another hour out. No, man. And I'll probably do a, a special in Arabic, too. Oh, that'd be dope. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah hell that's yeah. what I'm planning on doing. Welcome. So I have an English and an Arab special deal. That's the next thing. Wow. I, I, that's dope, yeah. man. That's that. That is fucking dope. That is and then fucking I'm gonna dope. go to Mexico, take over Mexico. <laughs> then I'm gonna take over. Go to France, run French. Kids. No, I'm good. <laughs> no, I'm good on all that. I'm just gonna stick to that. I'm just gonna do a quick hour to get that out of my system in Arabic, and then, and then do uh, another English, of course. Well, congratulations on all the success, man. Um, Thank you, brother. Years in the making. You, de- you deserve it. We're really happy for you. We're happy to welcome you in Austin again. 
uh, and again and again and again and again. Yep. Uh, I appreciate it. You know, we're 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 big fans, and uh, all the best to you. Where can people find you on the on the internets? Uh, just look up Arab guy. No, just, uh, <laughs> no, no, you put the FBI file. You don't, you don't want to do that. Yeah, just moamber.com. I mean, uh, everything is under that name, so it'd be easy to find me. There you go. There you go. So just, just go to my website. The ticket information is on my website. Whatever, social media. Find everything there. It's all there. So, dope, man. So June 28th. Thank you so much. The Paramount Two Shows. Right. Yep. It, two yeah, shows. Two shows. Thirty nine forty five. All right. Get your tickets, folks. Uh, Moammer is gonna take over, so be ready. It's on now, and he's he picked Austin to uh, to to tape his special. So uh, you know we're proud to have you. Happy to have you. Thank you so much, and good luck tonight. Your three yeah, sets. Thank you, brother. And we'll see you on the twenty eighth, man. It, man. I appreciate it. Have a good one, brother. We'll thank care, you. Guys. See ya. Talk soon. Bye bye. Bye. We can we got some time more. Yeah. That was dope, man. Yeah, right, man, I'm I'm love pumped. I, I love. I can't wait for the show. Yeah, I can't wait for. Well, you gonna hour. stay for this one? <laughs> <laughs> no, not, <laughs> because he's gonna like he's gonna look for you. Like, all right, I was talking to Scott Butler. He Where's better be guy? here. He's yeah, better, better be in the room somewhere. Yeah. I'll be there. No, that was that's this exciting. I'm really happy. I didn't know he started that young. That's that's nuts. Because you I hear a lot of people yeah. starting in the twenties, like in the eighties. I knew he started young, but I knew the, about the school thing, but like, um, I didn't know like how many years he's known Chappelle and how many, like, and, and how soon he came out to Austin or something to like, yeah. didn't hit up all the clubs in LA and all the travel and stuff earlier on. But yeah, who knows? Maybe the next working. One. He was on the grind. He just hit it hard. Loved it. Like yeah. I, I was talking to, um, was it preacher Lawson yeah. at, at moon tower. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I'd never heard of him until, this year and I I saw him hustle yes and I'm like how long you been doing this he goes 10 years and I'm like 10 years for real so if I start today (laughs) (laughs) then you'll make it in in about 15 years but he was he was a fast one I mean he was Mm -hmm. a guy in Portland Mm -hmm. you know with uh, with this whole group of guys and then he disappeared I guess and went to LA and then by the time the rest of the Portland guys show up it's like whoa wait a second yeah, he's amazing now. No, mm-hmm. But here's a guy who started at when he was nine years old. No, uh, fourteen. Well, yeah. I mean, he, in, at nine he decided nine he, he wanted to. Yeah, do there it. you yeah. go. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And wow, man, this is it is a it is a grind. It is a hustle. I mean, I I applaud people who who have that much dedication. I mm-hmm. wish I did. Or when people like know when they want to do something that young, it yeah. helps because then they just. They just hit it hard, yeah. you know, and they for, just keep going. For a creative to know which outlet they mm-hmm. want to take their talents is mm-hmm. is rare, I think, and, and really fortunate for mm-hmm. those that, that do it. I mean, I've had a chance to talk to a lot of DJs and artists, and and they all, they all had that moment. In chance they were young, like I went to show us a DJ, and I said, "I want to do that." Right, and, and then they and went home to have like, no other options. Yeah, yeah. Like they didn't consider a plan B, and they went. No. I mean, my brother's like that. He's a musician, and he was a musician from the very beginning, and there was no alternative, mm-hmm. and that's just how it was going to be. And he's amazing, and mm-hmm. I mean, it's that focus. And I, I look you, at you that, and I'm, I'm jealous. I mean, I'm a creative person but i'm scattered like i like to paint I same like here to draw i like to, yeah i like music and, and i have not had that same focus so i'm jealous of people that know exactly what they want and go get it man right. 
Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I'm the same way. Scattered. All right, I'm starting <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Start, Start right now. Since you're such a comedy nerd, put that to use. Uh, I... I'll appreciate it from afar. <laughs> I'll see you in the back of the room. Yeah, like I'll watch it. Scott is way over there in the back <laughs> from behind the scenes. And then 10 years from and now, if you're still around, maybe I'll make it to, to move tower. It's never too late to start, though. You know, that lot, is true. You know, I mean, one of my... F- okay, I'm just going to say if we have time. But one no, of my, we have time. One of my favorite actors is David Duchovny. And like he write, he wrote... like He's written three books. Of uh. course, you know, his career with the X-Files and then movies and stuff like that. But he, now he has a band. Like he just likes to do like so many different things. I won't. I don't really listen to his band that much. Mm-hmm. But and but I have one of his books, and I can't. He's a he's brilliant. You know, he's just amazing. But he's, but he's David Duchovny, though. In fact, I you mean, don't have to worry about much. <laughs> true. So now he, but he, now he gets to do all those things because he has that money. You know, he has that that solid foundation, and he can just do whatever the I mean, hell he anything, wants. If anything, it makes it more impressive because he doesn't need to sit there and focus on writing a book. He's got. That's a true. Cool I'll get, yeah, I'll see that. I can yeah. see that. So to put in the time and dedicate yourself to writing a book, I cannot mm. imagine what that yeah. process is like. Ah, it's no on, it's on constantly on the grind. I mean, and, and I'm like a weird fangirl. So, um, you know, I look at his Instagram and he'll be like, oh, I have a show tonight. And then I'm writing my book tomorrow. And da, 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 and then X-Files and then, you know, whatever he's doing next. It's really, it feels like it, it looks like it's happening one after the other. I almost. Mean, just like when you get to a point in your life when you're doing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And now what you have to do. I mean, the, the, um, I take Joe Rogan, for example. Joe Rogan does everything he wants to do. He's like, I got, I do my podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I talk for a living. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I do. I, nothing I, I, better. I do commentary <laughs> on the UFC. Mm-hmm. And then I talk on this podcast. And then I go out and do comedy. And then I go shoot arrows. I go, I'm the, I mean, I go hunt. And that's it. And, mm-hmm. and the thing is, um, Life happens quickly, <laughs> and if you don't like, all right, you can't you, you can't keep saying tomorrow. And mm-hmm. I think that's what exactly. I've I've done, but that's another topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, we're gonna wrap things up. Uh, thank you so much. Shout out to Mo Ammer. Make sure you go uh, get your tickets. Uh, June twenty eighth is the show at the Paramount. Go to Austin Theater, T E R dot org. T E R right? Yep. No T R E. T-R-E. T-R-E. Yeah, T-R-E, T-R-E um, Theater. I think a lot of people make the mistake. The yes. other theater, yeah. You'll find. Just Google it. Yeah, Google yeah, Paramount. We'll be the top. Yeah. And uh, can we talk about prices? Or is that bad? Like, no, go for prices. it. Prices, yeah. It's, it's very only fif- affordable. It's only $15. Oh, for real? And yeah. I think they had, I, I think it ended on June 1st. Don't quote me on this. But uh, they had a coupon from Netflix where you can deduct $5 off of that. There you go. <laughs> so as far as I know, that's still live. So oh, just okay. do it. And Sweet. 10 or $15 either way. That's, that's nothing. so cheap. To be part of uh, a Netflix you could be, you could special. be right it's there. Be amazing. And you could be famous. Someone can see you on the Netflix special air. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I need you in my next show. Yeah. Let's pack the house. I mean, $15. Shit. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. It's so going to be a blast. So, June 28th, guys, go get your tickets. Uh, Moammer is funny as hell. Um, and, Scott, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. It's a blast. I, hell yeah. Were you worried? No. <laughs> you were pretty calm you yeah, handled like, that very I, well I got this man I, I, I can put a mic in front of my face I'm fine and thank you guys for doing this I'm no, glad thank I you, gave Lauren. y'all Appreciate a shout it. out and I'm like I need feedback so uh, anybody else want to throw at me Let Um, me. yeah I have I've, I think I've been e- emailing you like no <laughs> I've been sending you stuff no I'm just kidding um, uh, please I mean I'll 
I'll do it. Yeah, I'll no, do I'll keep sending you stuff. I mean, I mean, I I do I promotions for musicians, and so. Um, do you want to? Can you plug your company? That's what uh, I'm asking you. Oh, right you're right. Go. Okay. <laughs> I think All that's what the, you do, right? Yeah. I, mean, I, sh- I can shut the mic off right now and oh, nobody knows who Lauren is. No, please. No. <laughs> <laughs> I need the love. No. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. Yeah. Um, Other Side Austin is my website, my promotions business. It's othersideaustin.com. You can find me <laughs> on social media at Other Side Austin on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And what do you do? What do I do? Um, it's I do promotion. Actually, it's going to it's gonna be like this... Um, big concept eventually in a production company but uh-huh. for now it's promotions and music art and education and i kind oh, of nice. yeah i wanted to take a little turn there i kind of want to have in the future my own like kind of like ted talks but my own um uh just my own platform for education as well so uh but music art and then now comedy so i'm gonna have to i may have to change that <laughs> to music art comedy da, 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 you know and so yeah you can um it you can hit me up like and ask me about my rates <laughs> 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 I, i'm not used to doing this like you got to with, I but i mean i'm used to like mouth to, you know like word of mouth um i was, like, I was gonna say <laughs> mouth to mouth <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> I love that. Wow. No worries. I'm so glad I made that joke right now. Okay. Um. I, on that note, folks. <laughs> Yo, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you uh, follow the feedback BAK on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and Facebook. Any announcements? Oh, oh. Um, I'll be... I mean, I usually tape the show at the Native Hostel uh, first Sunday of the month. I don't even know who the next guest is going to be. It's going to be dope. The one we just had uh, is uh, was with Dr. Art Markman and Dr. Bob Duke from Two Guys on Your Head. Oh, right. The psychology podcast on NPR. Uh, we talked about the psychology of nightlife and going out and sleep and FOMO and sexual tension and rituals and Damn. social creatures all kinds of stuff it was so enlightening i, I loved it i had a blast so uh go to the feedback.com slash 150 148 and you can check out the episode or just subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts itunes stitcher whatever we out there so thank you so much for tuning in guys make sure you get your tickets go see mo and we'll talk to you next time ciao ciao